Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello and welcome to the Reasonable Voices News Talk radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. As most of us do our best to save each other while wearing a mask and keeping socially distant, probably most of us would agree the last thing our family, friends, professions, and income needed was another even more deadly Delta variant, especially as it impacts children just before schools reopen, threatening family health and our educational system. Truly, it is a time for common sense, rational thinking, and finding solace in our better angels. For some, that includes the arts, particularly the performing arts, to keep our cultural spirits up and inspire us to carry on. As many of you know, my very dear Broadway film and television friend Avery Summers joins us with updates and opinions once a month. You may also recall from our past programs, Avery's credits include, but are not limited to, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Matron Mama Morton in Chicago, The Platinum's original Broadway production in 1978, and Ain't Misbehaving. Not to forget, of course, working with the late Burt Reynolds. So welcome back, Avery Summers, to our monthly conversation of professional updates and personal opinions. How are you today? Oh, thank you very much. I'm doing very well. I'm glad to be with you again. I am glad you're here, too. I know, we, I know we've both been busy and everything else. The world has been kind of busy with everything. But anyway, it's glad to talk to you again. Yeah, let's go back and try and connect some of the dots between now and the last conversation. Any new developments there? And how's it going? Or anything changed? I am invited to the most theater and I'm on their board now. I think I may have mentioned that to you before too. Yes, yes. Uh, bring us up to date with the Maltz Theater and uh, what's going on in Jupiter and, and uh, Andrew Cato and everybody. Yes, well of course the Maltz Theater is one of the biggest theaters in South Florida and they are sort of a premier destination, if you will, for performers to come to South Florida and do theater. And uh, this past year in 2020, uh, as you know, it devastated everyone, but it also 
brought a sense of awareness to so many people about what was going on or what was not going on. So they have decided to diversify and and bring uh, you know people of color or different professions on the board. And I am one of those four people that they brought onto the board. So I'm thrilled. We're going to have our first board meeting in October. And you know they're they're spending thirty eight million dollars to renovate the theater. Wow. They thought that it would be completed by now, but also, as you are unsure aware, a lot of uh, material building materials yes. have been people are unable to get them. So this opening will not happen now until possibly January. Yes, the arts in general. I mean, the country, the world, the children now. I mean, so many have been impacted by this coronavirus and just so much else that's going on. So, so much um, political infighting and so forth. Anyway, I will try not to go there, except a slightly political, but definitely artistic question I want to ask. And I know the last time we spoke, you were actually shooting a scene from the film version, let's not forget there's a theater version as well, the film version of The Intersection of Lincoln and Parks. Uh, uh-huh. How did that go, and and um, are you still shooting, or, or what's the plan? It went very well. Everyone was thrilled with it. As you know, this time of year, it is extremely hot, but mm. this year, it's been very hot all over the country, and we did one scene inside the bus, so we were all sort of trying to sit as far away from each other due to CDC guidelines, but as close as we could. And of course, with film, as you also know, you can do that. Uh, we, he, Our director of photography was able to capture what he needed from us, and so that really went very well. Then he teaches, so then he had to start school again right in the midst of the shoots. So now we are waiting until there's a bit of a break, hopefully uh, when it cools a little bit here, to do some outdoor shooting again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will really be outdoors this time. So that's what we're waiting for now. He's going to do B-roll, the marches, and the things that we actually did outside. Then we'll come back inside and finish up with some of the rally kinds of things that are in the uh, theater production. So. Mm-hmm. We're all very excited. We're all on pins and needles. And fortunately, several of the actors have other uh, work to do. They've got films to shoot. Uh, They have regular day jobs that they're on. And two of the the actresses are teachers. So they're back in the classroom. And so there's a lot going on. But yes, we are still chomping at the bit to get going again. I know. And the theater version? The theater version is already set for the Rinker Playhouse at the Kravis Center here. And that's going to be the week of the 25th of February, 2022. So that's separate from this completely. Yes, I remember you telling me that the last time now now that that I've asked the question. (laughs) Yes, that is great. And you're on their big uh, brochure and all that, right? That's absolutely right. And the the brochure should... um, 
come to us probably in the next couple of weeks. They knew that they wanted to get all of the brochures out to their subscribers, and they've got a huge subscriber base. And then as soon as that is done, then they will be sending us several of the hard copies, and we're all waiting with baby breath to see yes. how that turned out. Excellent. So you've got all burners going there. You are... <laughs> Film and theater version and other things are coming up as well, knowing you. But, uh, yeah, but that is fabulous. Wow. Okay. Yes. Oh. Tell us about Lake Park's Pelican Club and, and your possible connection. What What's the plan there or hope? Lake Park uh, is a tiny little suburb, uh, you know, not a suburb, really. It's a little burg uh, within West Palm Beach, and it's on the north end of West Palm Beach, headed north towards Jupiter, which you, you know where that is, yes. and uh, the, uh, the Maltz Theater. So they have, it's called the Pelican Cafe. It is, it says, where Nantucket meets Key West, and it's just absolutely adorable. It was an old house that uh, a husband and wife converted to a wonderful restaurant. And in recent years, they incorporated music. So now they've got music Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they will have music on Sunday night when they open again in the, the last of October. They close every year in September to either renovate or they go away. This year, they're going away. Husband and wife are going away for a bit. And when they come back, then they're going to start having Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday night music. And I'm going to be the Sunday night music. Okay. Tell us about the Sunday night music. Well, uh, we I was asked about doing Sunday night because, of course, they don't have it. And would I be interested in sharing music on Sunday night from 7 to 9 o'clock with just my musical director? Uh, and I said, well, let me speak with him. The reason I had to speak with him about it is, first of all, to find out if he, if he was available mm -hmm. and if he wanted to bring his keyboard because they do not have a piano there. So it's a keyboard and vocal situation. And he said, yes, I will do it for you. I hate moving my keyboard, but I will do it for you. <laughs> and so we agreed. The good part about it is, Marcello, is that it's not a set show. It's a night of music, of all kinds of music. So if we are successful enough at bringing in audience, then I plan to do a night of blues, a night of jazz, a night of gospel, a night of all kinds of music, the, the 60s, you know, just in general, all kinds of music, and maybe invite a singer or two hmm. in the area to come up and do a couple of songs. Oh, wow. Well, you certainly are thinking, that's for sure. I, I mean, I just love it. There's just so much going on around you because of you and with you and for you, and it just seems you're always... Just on top of your games. That's trivializing too much, I think. You're just sharp. And I think that's, uh, you know, it, it's great to be talented, which you are in abundance. But it also is, is great to have ideas and be open to new opportunities and to know where to find them or make them, which you seem to be an expert at, too. What do you think? Am I, am I analyzing you correctly? <laughs> uh, well, that's very kind of you. It's, uh, you know, 
I, I yes, I, I would say you're you're uh, certainly in the right direction. I am. Uh, I love, as you remember, with Betty, my sister. Uh, we we are very community oriented, and to go out and find and create situations for people who we see with the talent, but don't quite understand how to go about it. That's one of the things. Uh, trying to figure out how to go about this has taken me low these 50 years, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, to figure it out. And it's not, it, it can be quite daunting, as you know. So when I see someone or some situation that I can jump in and, and say, hey, there's a sign over here that says come this way, then I love being able to do that. And that's what I'm looking forward to doing with this and with the Malks. Good for you. You know, I'm, it reminds me, I used to tell my students all the time in college, and maybe that this has changed with the curriculum, I certainly hope so, but colleges and universities that where I've taught and, and was a student as well, there was no course that was about, okay, this is how you make a resume, and this is how you market yourself. Nobody ever told me in college there's a thing called trade papers. I had to find that out by going to New York. And, and, you know, when you ask a question of a performer, the first thing they said, well, you need the trades. <laughs> and, I'm, and I went, mm -hmm. okay, what's that? <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's true. And I don't think performers are this way, but in other areas, people don't think about what's to follow. In other words, developing an audience. We have a lot of that now, you know, director of development, you see that always, but it wasn't always that way to get new audiences and get new talent and get new works. You have to develop those things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and speaking, you know, just sort of doubling back about the trade papers, I did not know about them either. But when I went to California, where Betty was the first time, she was the one that told me about, let's go to the corner and get the trade papers. And I, you know, of course, I said, what is that? And she showed me. <laughs> And, uh, and that's something, that's one of the things that I want to sort of implement here, maybe a one-sheet trade paper mm -hmm. for, for the community to say, this is going on at the most. This is happening at whatever other theater, at Palm Beach Institute. This is what's going on here, there, and, and young. And truly, we do have Facebook. It's a great way to promote myself. And I've been blessed with being able to use it properly and get my audience. But there are you know, young people who are not as connected to that. They're more connected to Twitter and what they're doing and, you know, and, and who <laughs> shot who. Yes, <laughs> it's true. But I think that there is a need for the performing arts communities of young people to understand what it means to look in a trade paper. Yes. I used to tell students, again, way back when this is, quite a while ago, but I would say if, you, if you're if you not in New York City or L.A., the trade papers are the most you can do, and you, and you should do that. You must look at them and see what's going on, and it goes beyond variety, and of course everything is digital now, so it's, you can be in your home and find out things, but we should, oh, we should remind people and maybe new people of who Betty was. You mentioned she was your sister. I met Betty and she taught me a thing or two, too. <laughs> By that time, I knew about trades and directing and all that. But Betty was a wealth of information, and she came to me with her play, Choco Sketches, and wanted me to direct it, and it was about the Harlem Renaissance, and I had to say, what's the Harlem Renaissance? I mean, I 
heard of it, but I had no idea what it was. What and well, she said, "Don't worry, I'll teach you," and she did. God bless her, she was amazing. So when you, whenever you mention how she taught you something, I know exactly what that felt like because it, it was never intimidating. It was never, you know, as though we should have known already. It was always just come here, let me show you this. And I was well, beautiful person, but you learned a lot. You stuck around, Betty. That's for sure. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. I wonder, in general, down there, uh, down there, meaning Florida, how are the working opportunities? I mean, everything has been challenging everywhere. Of course, I think uh, Broadway is being a little too optimistic, and I hope everyone will be safe. But we'll see. But um, mm-hmm. the opportunities for performers in South Florida with the Delta variant and hurricane season and Tallahassee behavior, let's put it that way. What are the ramifications of that? Well, Marcello, it's it's a very difficult sort of day. It's an interesting question. It's a, it's a very many different sides to that question. I will answer for myself. I've been so, and, and we overuse this word, but it's really the truth. I've been very blessed. Mm-hmm. I have not stopped working since May of 2020, doing what I do, which is first teach, but perform, sing, and act, and all of that. I have been so well thought of, and such it's been such a blessing that I am now on two big boards here. I don't know what's going on in Miami, and I say this quite a lot. Miami is a very different area. It's a very different quote-unquote animal in mm-hmm. this business. I don't go down there. And when I say down there, I mean 65 to 70 miles south of West Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Trust me, as you know, Marcello, it's a very different world down yes, there. Yes, it is. So I, don't, I don't know what's really happening in that area as far as work is concerned. And Unfortunately, there is no trade paper, you see, mm-hmm. that will say, here, what's hap- this is what's happening in Miami. This is what's happening in Fort Lauderdale. This is what's happening in West Palm Beach. And so people that lay down there don't know what's going on up here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on down there. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. But I think because of COVID, there's very little going on mm-hmm. as far as widespread castings for theater and castings for movies and commercials that kind of thing i would normally have heard of from a friend who said man i went to this audition today and i saw so and so and i saw so and so and we always go have fun after and have coffee or whatever none of that's happening Hmm. so i kind of get the feeling that there is very little happening just yet yeah i've been very fortunate because i kind of just pivoted sideways. I was already doing a lot of radio and voiceover work anyway, and Uh I had the opportunity to do more writing, which you know all about. We don't need to go into that. So I didn't stop working, except I couldn't direct. I mean, I have directed a video that that, uh, involved, it was a series I was supposed to have been doing, and we had to stop after the first one in uh, March 2020. And then but recently, this year, March 2021, we did shoot one more because I only needed one cameraman and it was one on-camera person and me. So it was it was safe, you know, and, and it was outside. So, <laughs> so I said, okay, we can do this one. Fortunately, doing radio and writing it, I have been busy. 
but I, I know it's rough in New York because I'm still very much in contact with people there. Anyway, we're going to take a short break. We are talking with my good friend, television, Broadway, film star, my good friend, Avery Summers. And we're going to be back. With, she's now in Florida. We often joke about when I lived in Florida, she was in New York. and I lived in New York, she was in Florida. But we meet now a great deal on the radio. <laughs> so stay with us. We'll be right back with Avery Summers. There's a lot more to talk about. And now, Broadway's Avery Summers. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, and our guest today is Broadway television and film star Avery Summers. She comes on the show, at, at least I try to get her on at least once a month. Uh, she's not always available because she's a very busy person, as if you listen to segment one, you already know. But things are demanding, as they are for everybody, the health community, you know, the health professionals, doctors and first responders, the firemen out in California and everywhere else, the police. It's a challenging time. But I think the point that I love about having Avery on is that I have someone who can say it besides just me saying it, that we need to be inspired. I believe most artists, they don't work just for the income but to keep us focused on moving forward and keep our heartfelt artistic inspirations in tune, if you will, with our best positive emotions. I don't know. Where's the question? The question is, Avery, what do you think about that? Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I and the reason I, I believe that you're right is that I 
teach three three nights a week. I teach acting, which is really wonderful. It wasn't something that I ever thought that I would do or that I would be any good at, really. But um, my students tell me now, a year in, that I'm I'm a very good teacher. But I am a singer. I am a performer. Mm. And I need to perform. I need to sing. It gives me the kind of joy that I hope I bring to other people. And I always say this, and I mean it with from my from the bottom of my heart. I believe in God, and I trust God, and I need to be able to do with the talent that he gave me what he expects me to do with that talent, and that is to share it. And, and I think that's what all of us as performers and everybody in every field that you go in and you're passionate about, that's what you want to do. You want to share. You want to help to, to teach someone or get them to see things, not your way, but just in a clearer version of whatever it is. And mm. so when I was asked to do the Pelican Cafe, I the, the owners, husband and wife, said, now, Avery, we know you're from Broadway and you've been here before and, and this and that and the other. And so we don't have the kind of money that you're used to. But if you want to have a residency here, mm-hmm. meaning if I can be there two nights out of a month and draw my audience and the audience that they already have because mm-hmm. of great food and a great restaurant, would I want to do that? And I literally jumped out of my skin because (laughs) I I was so thrilled to be asked to have a residency there and not to have to go to New York. I love New York, but I don't want to travel right now. I don't want to go to Chicago. I don't want to go to San Diego or San Francisco or any of those great places where there are cabaret houses. Mm -hmm. I want to stay in Florida. I want to stay right here in my hometown. And this is giving me that opportunity. And I think that's wonderful. And it, I know it's a win-win because as with the Maltz Theater we were talking about earlier, also now with the, the Pelican Club, it's mutually beneficial because these venues, these restaurants, these theaters have their own following, but you have a following and they mm-hmm. know that. And you, mm-hmm. br- you bring an audience to them, they bring an audience to you and everybody's happy and everybody gets this beautiful combination work going on that I think is just fabulous. I hope I'm making sense. I feel like I'm rambling, but you know what I mean. And that's exactly what I think that they are looking at. And and certainly uh, I am too. And you're right. They've got their, they've got people who come there for the food. They love the food there. It's really good food, but they also know that, oh, wait, Maybe on Monday nights they have so-and-so here. Let's go them and bring friends, and, and then we will we'll hear some great music. Oh, wait, you're going to have Sunday nights now, and it's going to be with Avery? Well, now I'll go and bring other friends. And so the people that I've told, which have been very few until the restaurant decides to put out the, the PR, are very excited about it. And they, they think that the Sunday night name for it, which is Songbird Sundays, Mm-hmm. Uh, they think that's very good. And uh, so that means it leaves it open for me to bring in other singers. Excellent. We're doing a lot of talking about something that I know has always been important to us, and that is developing new talent. As mm-hmm. teachers, yes, but not only as teachers, but through our own work. I mean, when I direct, I seek out new playwright and their talents and their works and, and then and to showcase the acting and singing talent as well. And I know that you do the same thing. I mean, nobody 
could hear you sing, Avery, and not want to at least try to sing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> People who are not necessarily talented in that way or interested in a performing arts career listen to you sing, and they there are many ways to respond to that. One is that they're uplifted, and for heaven's sake, they can forget what's going on in the world for a bit. And the other is young people who are singers, who want to achieve some of what you've achieved. They have someone to look up to and say, I want to be like her. I want to study with her. I want to hear her sing. I, you know, what do you think? Do you get that, do you get that sort of response? I, I would be shocked if you didn't. I, I do get that kind of response, Marcello, and I've gotten that response for many years. As a matter of fact, way before I ever decided to teach, I've been asked by parents of young girls, mm -hmm. can you teach my child to sing like you? Mm -hmm. And it makes me shudder because if anyone says that they can teach someone to sing like someone else, you want to run in the opposite direction, yes. I think. <laughs> yes. Because it's, it's, it's not, that's not the right answer. I can only do what with someone what they have mm -hmm. and i can coach them in the best way possible to bring out what they have so that's been my standard answer but yes i've gotten that question many times yes. over the course of my career we 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 have so much in common i i love when we talk and and i discover new ways in which we think alike i've always said to actors when they come particularly to me when I was teaching television acting in, in New York City at Collier Casting. I would say to them, I can't make an actor. If you have a strong desire and a talent as an actor, I can help you make it better. I know how to do that, but I can't make you an actor. You know, mm -hmm. that comes from a higher place than <laughs> where I hope they'll let me in someday. <laughs> but not too soon, not too soon. Oh, well, gee. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, I've always been a director first, but there was a time when singing paid the rent. And I remember going into Georgetown and singing in piano bars on the nights we, the cast was off. And, you know, I worked in Baltimore, of course, and Peabody was my, were my, my opera phase with the Baltimore Opera. But but when I was in closer to D.C., when we would finish a show, we went into Georgetown and that was the place. And, and, and you'd hear you'd hear people singing, whether they were professional or not. You know, some just got up with a few drinks in them and they would sing beautifully most of the time. The songs from shows we were in. And, uh, and I just wondered, what do you do with the nights off? Do you have any? <laughs> Did you ever go through that after a Broadway show? Well, I love that you looped around to that because that's exactly what I spoke with Andrew about. And it possibly will happen next season. But uh, because they're doing this major renovation, Andrew did mention that there will be many rooms in the new theater. And, and I said to him, I would love nothing more than to be a cabaret sort of hostess, if you will, maybe more than that. But I would love to, because on Monday nights, just as you said, when I was doing Broadway, especially, we would go somewhere like the one place that we always went was called Don't Tell Mama. Oh, I don't yes. know whether you Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, how yes. funny. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, singers, here we are. We've sung all week. Yeah. <laughs> and then off, we go sing again. You know, it's uh, there's a little bit of crazy in there, but it's a good crazy. 
so that's what I would love to be able to create here at the Maltz when he bring, when the shows are back fully back and performers are brought from everywhere then on a Monday night I'd like to be able to say come to the whatever club I don't know what it'll be yet and you know give us a couple of songs from the show you're in or a show you've done or one you love or whatever and then we can invite the community to come hear them if they even have not seen them in the show yeah exactly able to say oh i heard so-and-so in the so-and-so club or whatever and you know and then the cast of, of different casts from different theaters and shows get to know each other and that's mm -hmm. as almost as good as the trade papers you don't have down there you know what i mean because if exactly. they start talking to each other then the different areas miami west palm beach fort lauderdale jupiter mm -hmm. can come together mm -hmm. and find out what's going on and maybe do some more work and maybe miami won't seem so foreign to you and me <laughs> Exactly. Good. And I've got a name. I'm just going to put that out there, uh, you know, and hopefully it will uh, become something. I wanted to call it Avery's Aviary, where songbirds come to sing. All right. I love it. Avery's <laughs> Aviary, where songbirds come to sing. Okay. I like that. Yeah. 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 We'll see what's going to happen with that. Exactly. And all the while, everywhere you go, you are potentially developing new audiences, let's face it, especially when you go to a new venue. There are new audiences and new works that will follow you, and I think it's a tremendous gift. In addition to your tremendous singing ability and acting ability and teaching ability, all that's great. But when you go out there and you sing and you inspire new people new audiences, new students, new people who want to be on the stage and in film and on television. That is an art, and it is also a gift to the arts. And I mean that, every word of it, Avery. Thank you so much. And I tell you, it, there is nothing like studying, and, and you and I have talked about this before too, but my sister was sort of an advocate for study. If you want to do it, you want to do it well, you've got to study. Mm. The, you know, I understand that the, this generation of young people are making so much money that they don't get the, the the idea of studying to do what they want to do. The thing that hurts my heart is that they don't last long. There is no longevity in their careers. Mm. Many don't last more than four or five years, six years, and or 10 years tops, and they're gone because they have not studied something that will give them the longevity. They don't understand what that means. So I've gotten on my soapbox and I'll get off now. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> It's true. And and I think no less than, by the way, than Colleen Dewhurst told me once, key to this, Marcello, what you're doing is that you study. You never stop studying. And I'll do a shout out here in the, the greater tri-state area around D.C., where I'm headquartered most of the time these days. Erica Arvold is an incredible casting director in her own right. But in addition to that, and now she's got a a new casting office, a branch of it in Atlanta, Georgia, and they're just so busy in Atlanta. But she is always saying, you've got to study. You've got to study. So you hear it from all of us, guys. Keep that up. All right. So I actually invited Avery primarily because she's got, she had some great new news and I wanted to talk about that. And we've talked about everything, but let's, let's now talk about that. The Lincoln Portrait by Aaron oh, yeah. Copeland. 
We definitely want to hear about that. A conductor and what on earth and how did it happen and tell us all about you in it. Oh, well, my goodness. There is uh, the Palm Beach Symphony Orchestra here and the conductor now is Gerard Schwartz and he is a pretty phenomenal conductor and he was with I believe the Seattle Symphony a few years back and I was called by the music coordinator about doing the narration for the Lincoln portrait. I've listened to it uh, uh, just just every day and it's absolutely phenomenal. The music is gorgeous and the words that have been chosen to speak during the whole process of doing this I listened to James Earl Jones and he is by far one of the best voices in this business mm. and he just brings me to tears and I want very much to be able to do my absolute best so every day for a month I've been listening to this Aaron Copeland version of the Lincoln portrait so that I, as a performer, will not have to look at the page. I want to look at my conductor mm. and have him feel confident in me that I am with him every note of the way. Excellent. Well, tell us more about it, because uh, we should say, you know, it's with orchestra, as you mentioned, and it's a classical piece. And tell us what exactly will you be doing? All right. On the 28th of this month, now September, I will record with the orchestra. So that means I'm going to stand in the middle of all of these amazing performers and say some of the words that Lincoln made famous and talk a little bit about Lincoln was raised in Kentucky and he lived in Illinois and he and, and the things that he said. So it always says, and Lincoln said, this is what he said. And then I speak on the different, I guess, parts of speeches that he gave. And it talks about him being six foot four and, 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 and what he said. He said the eternal struggle between the two principles, right and wrong, throughout the world is the same spirit. I mean, it's it, the words are they, they they bring the hair up on the back of my neck, and I don't have hair on my neck. But mm -hmm. it's just it's that kind of moment, and the music, and I've got it. The uh, French horns come in, and then there's a big cymbal crash, and there's music, and it changes to quiet, and then it says Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States. It, it just well, anyway, it's going to be shown on the 4th of July. For 2022, and it will be on. It could be ABC or CBS, but either way, we will be back in touch, and I will give you all of the correct information on that. But it will be shown for the Fourth of July with me as narrator. Yes, on network television, whichever yes. network it is. I knew all of that, and still, I've got I'm choked up, and I do have hair on my neck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Avery, this is so fabulous. I mean, I'm no less impressed and happy for you than I was when you told me two weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I hear it. And, and not only that, as we speak here and you describe it for others to be able to hear, 
I hear the very passion that you are discussing, that you you admire so much in others who perform like James Earl Jones, but you have it too, Avery, and it's there, and it's and once you have that, you and those words will marry in a way that we will never forget. I promise you that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I am thrilled to have been thought of as someone who could bring this piece to life, and I intend to do my absolute best to do just that. Well, I think that's a pretty high note. Maybe we should stop there. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? I mean, that's that's pretty much the mountaintop for me at this point, but but uh, did we leave out anything? <laughs> uh, or is there just anything else you want to tell us? Well, uh, there is an article in a new theater magazine that was created by the um, CEO at the Delray Beach Playhouse. He created this magazine because, as he said, actors don't get enough PR here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he asked me two or three months ago, would I consent to do an interview? And I did. And it's on my page on Facebook today. Fantastic. Okay. I wanted to say, i ask you a question that um, when I lived in West Palm Beach, I remember there was a movie theater near the causeway on the corner of what was, I believe, Main Street whatever Main Street is called, lots of beautiful restaurants. But it was a movie theater, and it had just become actually in transition to becoming a theater. And they did a production of a Phantom production, not the famous Phantom, but one that was based directly on the original novel, which has the detective who, Durego or Durejo or... I can't remember his name, but in any case, I was cast to play him. He's only in the novel and then this one version of Phantom, and he follows the Phantom through time, and it was just amazing. It was directed by a fellow whose name I can't remember because I never watched his show, but um, bring what was it, Cotter, Bringing Back Cotter, something like that. John Travolta was in it. Yes, I remember Carter. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, I, I don't know who he was in the cast, but he directed the show. Anyway, I'm all that to say, I understand they've really come a long way since in the facility, the venue. It's called um, Drama Works it, or something? It's called the Palm Beach Drama Works now. Yes, yes. Have you ever yes. done anything there? And is it still, you know, what is it still? <laughs> Yes, it is called Palm Beach Drama Works. It is, they they came from a very tiny theater, like one street over. The street that you're talking about is Clematis Street. Yes, yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah. And it's sort of at the end of the block, and it overlooks the Intracoastal Waterway. Yes. And it's just a gorgeous area, has been renovated. Uh, there, There's a fountain there. They're constantly upgrading Clematis Street and lots of wonderful, wonderful restaurants, 
walking spaces, people walk up and down, especially this time of year. That's also where Sunfest, that's a big, big, big outdoor summer concert type of thing. Unfortunately, last year there was no Sunfest, and even this year there was no Sunfest because it's a big gathering place. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to keep that, you know, out of the way of people who would not wear masks, blah, blah, blah. No, no, nothing about that. But just uh, to keep that down. But yes, Palm Beach Drama Works. And I will say this, it used to be called the Quillow Theater. Uh And it was also the Burt Reynolds Theater at one time. Oh, yes, I did know that. I was, Mm -hmm. I did know that. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I didn't go back quite that far. But I, right, I, no. I, but I was there before it became the Palm Beach uh, Drama Works. I mean, long before that. <laughs> I've been meaning from time to time to ask you about that, but but I'm glad to hear it's it's gone from where it was to where it is. That's... Wonderful, wonderful local theater, wonderful. All right, I guess we should go. We've had a great conversation with Avery Summers today, as always, full of good news, happy news, inspiring news. And not just for her personally or her career, which is wonderful, but because the news she brings reminds us that the arts are alive. And as long as the arts are alive, we all have a better chance at a better life. We need the arts, all of the arts. Right, Avery? Absolutely. Absolutely. When, When the arts are alive, we are alive. You're absolutely right. There you are. And so it is. Mm-hmm. And so it is. All right, then. Bye, my dear. It's wonderful. Absolutely always to talk to you and hear the updates and that you never stop. God bless you, okay? Thank you. God bless you and everyone out there. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Marcello Rolando of Rolando and Dresner Productions. And Larry and I are vaccinated, masking up, and moving forward with our new musical dramedy, A Little Place Called Earth. COVID-19 and our 2020 elections have brought out the best and worst in some of us, but few of us have to learn what to do if a police officer stops us, and less than half of us have to worry about where we jog, walk, or drive. As we listen to Larry Dresner's composition, Mistakenly Taken, sung by Christian Mark Gibbs, imagine what a difference it would make if all Americans shared all of America equally.
I didn't feel one bit of hate Mistakenly taken Regretfully returned Apologies to those involved I hope no one was burned That's all they said And I was sent off to bed Mistakenly taken Regretfully returned Please give the kid a kiss goodnight I'm sure he'll be alright What difference does it make? What difference does it make? Some people came to the shelter one day Decided to leave a son They dropped off a kid in need of love So naturally I was the one Down deep I was angry Like I died a little inside Down deep I was angry I remember the feeling As a information, listen to our Rolando and Dresner Productions podcast on Marcello Rolando's YouTube channel. Thank you, and join us online, on stage, and on earth. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Justice for all, or our dishonor will remain forever. I believe most Americans, parents or not, regardless of political persuasion, race, creed, skin color, or sexual choices, including whether they've had an abortion or would gladly shoot any doctor responding to a woman's request for a medical procedure legal since the Supreme Court declared Texas anti-abortion laws illegal in 1973, whether we own multiple guns or have never fired one. Most of us have been impacted by the 24-7 news reruns where only the talking heads have been changed to protect the hyperbolic. 
Most Americans are more bewildered by rising gasoline prices than attentive to the way Trumpism has enabled conservative Republicans to openly reveal their innermost secret desires, to be cloned cheerleaders for insurrectionists and rendered somewhat superficially miraculous in their efforts to hypnotize their constituents with a keep-it-simple-stupid interpretation of our Bill of Rights fooling some of the people all of the time into believing our second amendment is a license to justify violent mob rule yet whether fast-talking or fearfully hiding in the darkest shadows of congress while others who re-elect them are rendered somewhat dumbfounded and absolutely horrified by the complete and utter whiplash annihilation of lapierre's blood-stained excuse because in May 2022, every good man with a gun waited outside a Texas school while a lone 18-year-old assassin, using his newly purchased AR-15-style semi-automatic rifle, murdered two teachers and all of the 19 elementary school students they were trying to protect. It's national suicide for a free society to be run by boards of international corporatism, puppeteering GOP state legislators, governors, and senators while recalibrating global economics to benefit America's latest robber barons. The greatest weapon, however, against America's survival is an electorate swinging back and forth, left and right, always in reaction to the last past election, instead of choosing the America we profess to be, the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness envied by the world. Enough is enough, and thoughts of prayers. Don't cut it without concerted, consistent, civil, collective courage. Rather than becoming what we are against by attempting to shoot a Supreme Court justice, thus becoming the mirror reflection of the members of Congress who were complicit in the conspiracy to overthrow a duly elected American president. It's time we hold these truths to be self-evident. Only two things are absolutely essential to any gun violence. No, not being 18, Texas Tower Shooter, 1966, nor acting alone, Columbine Duo, 1999. Not being straight, Pulse Nightclub, 2016, nor adults only, Sandy Hook, 2012, and Uvalde, 2022. No one faith or race. Bible Study Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal 2015, Texas First Baptist 2017, Tree of Life Synagogue 2018. Not one preferred setting either. Las Vegas Outdoor Concert 2017, Buffalo Supermarket 2022, and not limited to those who do nothing to prevent it. Congressional Baseball Game 2017, or Survivors Insisting Never Again, Parkland 2018. The two essentials for mass murder are, one, an easily accessible militarized gun in the hands of a civilian indoctrinated in the belief that, two, the Second Amendment guarantees his unlimited power to use it when, where, how, and on whom he wishes. Unlike Ukraine, America doesn't need a Hitler, Stalin, Putin, or even Joe McCarthy to destroy our free and independent nation for our fragile union has been targeted by big business and their politically selected enemies within since our beginning. So it's not just Donald Trump, his senior staff, or his many acting agency heads 
nor Americans who, in support of him, attempted a coup of the United States of America, but it's also conservative Republican senators, governors, and fox-trotting propagandists who, before, during, and after, aided and abetted acts of sedition, profaning their sacred oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. If only we cherished the lessons of the good, bad, and ugly of our American history, gun violence statistics, and increasing legal revelations of the illegal conspiracy plot to overthrow our democratic republic wouldn't surprise us. Still we bleed, grieve, insist. America is the land of the free and home of the brave, isn't it? Tell me. What's brave about violent attacks on fellow citizens? Where in our Constitution does freedom give us liberty to hang a vice president or a governor? What kind of light on the hill are we if we excuse, as a normal tourist visit, how close America's light came to being extinguished by a premeditated extremist insurrection? So gullible, they believe American presidents have the legal right to incite domestic terrorism. America can't be the light of the world until we reject conservative Republicans who refuse to preserve, protect, and defend us, and instead elect Americans who are fighting this good fight without violence. It is for us, we the people, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work of justice for all, or our stain of dishonor will remain forever. Thank you. And join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.